Hey, church family, it's great to be back together with you, and soon we'll be meeting in our new building. And uh, we're just one, really thankful for Pastor Maddie, who did a great job preaching last week in our worship. So exciting being here. We've been in Psalm 23 in my preaching, and I wanted to finish Psalm 23. I know it's kind of a little bit disjointed. We've been off of it for a couple of weeks, but I know for those of you that are C-type personalities, you're like, when are we finishing Psalm 23? Well, today you are going to finish Psalm 23. My dream and my plan was I wanted to finish this portion of Psalm 23 in our first live service. But, you know, the Lord had different plans. So I just think it's time to get on with it and uh, let's finish it up. We've been talking about Psalm 23 really as a psalm about life. And I think it's why it's one of the most popular psalms in all the entire book of Psalms, because it really talks to us about, about living our lives. And it really what it reveals is who God is and who we are walking with in this life. We learned a few weeks ago that um, part of what God does in the Old Testament, he revealed himself as the great I am or Jehovah. And then seven or eight times actually in the Old Testament, God kind of fills in that blank. And what's amazing, in other words, he says, I am, and then he fills it in with different things. What's amazing about Psalm 23 is all eight of them are revealed in these six verses. So that kind of tells you a little bit of a power-packed uh, scripture that you can memorize for your life and to uh, experience in your life. What we've learned as we've walked through this uh, six little verses of this psalm, the first thing we learned about God uh, as being our traveling companion was the Lord is my shepherd, and that is Jehovah Ra'ah. And uh, what that means is I am your friend and I'm your shepherd. And this is who is walking with us as we walk this walk called life. And so as we went through the next verse, it said, I shall not want. Why? Because God who walks with us is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. We moved on and it said, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Why? Because he is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. That's what he's saying. I'm your peace as you walk through this life. And he goes on, he says, he restores my soul. And that is Jehovah Rapha, which is I am your healer. And uh, how many of you know you need restoration in your soul? You need God to walk with you at times. There is brokenness in our lives. There is hurt in our lives. And God is there to bring his healing power to bear upon us. We move through the psalm and we found out he guides my paths in righteousness for his name's sake. Again, another revelation of who God is, for he is Jehovah Sitkanu, which means I am your righteousness. I am your justice. I am the one who walks with you and makes you and shows you the right paths to walk on and to be led in in this life. And then it goes on and says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for I know this, you are with me, which is another revelation of who God is. That's Jehovah Shammah, or I am there. Do you know that God is ever present with us, church? Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always, hallelujah. And even in every part of our life, every valley, every dark place that we walk and every high place that we walk, every good and every, every trouble that we go through, God is right there with us. He's not waiting on the other side. 
He's walking with us in life. What a great traveling companion. We moved on in our psalm, and we found out that he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that is Jehovah Nisi, which is I am your banner. You know, the Lord is our banner. He's the one who uh, establishes and, and, and waves a banner of whose we are and who we are. Do you know that the banner over us is love? The banner over us is that we are God's people. He is for us and not against us. And today we're going to look at the very last revelation that is found in this incredible power-packed psalm. You see, because the provision, listen to me carefully, the provision of God is in his presence. All that he is, he is to us as we walk with him in life, our best friend and our traveling companion. The end of the psalm goes like this. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? This last revelation of God, his name is Jehovah Makadesh, which means I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That word sanctify means to set you apart, to make you holy, to anoint you. You see, a sanctification is the separation of our lives or the separation of an object that is set apart for use uh, and, and made holy for use. And, and really, this is what God has done and what God is doing in your life and in my life. He is making us holy for his use. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor, listen to me, whether you're a teacher, a mechanic, a plumber, a firefighter, a nurse, or a business person, I want you to know that God has anointed you in your life. He has placed the Holy Spirit upon you and within you in order to that partner with you in whatever endeavor you set your heart to. You know, the word ministry is an interesting word. It just means service. Do you know that God has anointed you to serve? In whatever capacity you live in in your life, God wants you to know that he is walking with you and that he is Jehovah Makadesh. He is the one who sanctifies you, who sets you apart for his use. Well, let's pray and find out what this means for your life and for my life today and really how God wants us to realize and to really walk in a greater confidence in every area of our life as he partners with us. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for this incredible church family. Thank you, God, that soon and very soon, Lord, we will be gathering together uh, here in Sturgeon County and uh, celebrating life together with you and with one another. Holy Spirit, come now and give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you today. Unveil your truth. Lord, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better and know the hope to which you have called us. God, give your people confidence in this hour to walk with you, to love you, to serve you, and to serve this world. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, our text tells us this. If we're going to walk in sanctification, if we're going to walk in this holiness, if we're going to be set apart, this is how it starts. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what the text said. You anoint me with oil. See, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. 
It's a symbol of God showing us that, number one, all God's work starts with God. It doesn't start with us. He actually anoints us, sets us apart for his service. You know, the power to perform the tasks that God has called us to in life comes from him. We're anointed, we're made holy, we're set apart in order to serve God. Now, I understand some things. And one of the things is this. Whenever I say the word holy or sanctification, you know, some people, the hair on their neck kind of stands up. and They go, oh, that word freaks me right out. You know, holy. You know, we think of holiness as moral uh, perfection and uprightness. Or maybe for you, it's uptightness. Maybe you, you're like, I, I, I don't get this holiness thing. I don't think I'm that holy. And uh, it I just freaks me out when you talk about God walking with me and setting me apart and making me holy. So I want to just simplify the language a little bit. Do you know what it means to be made holy? It means to be made more into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. It means to be more peace-filled. It means to be more purposeful in your life. It means to be more joyful. It means to be more empathetic. It means to be more kind. And yes, it means to be more pure, more good, better than. You don't understand that, understand that holiness really means becoming the best version of yourself. That's really God's heart and intention, church. When he's saying that I've come to holify you, I've come to make you pure and holy. Do you understand that, that uh, purity, uh, for many people when they think of holiness, they try to pursue purity. But I, I want you to stop doing that. No, hang on there, don't, don't throw me under the bus yet. What I mean is pursue Christ and he will make you holy. Pursue Christ and he will transform you. See, our pursuit becomes wrong and, and we religiously pursue trying to be better, which has never worked for any generation. It only works when we come to the one who makes us holy and makes us better. You see, all of us are called. All of us have been set apart. All of us are to be sanctified by God for service, for his work. And this is why even in the Old Testament in Exodus 28, uh, uh, God is speaking and he says, you shall put Aaron and upon his brothers and his sons, you shall anoint them. You shall consecrate them and sanctify them for they are to minister to me as priests in the office of God. And, and so we're called, you know, we think of these Old Testament priests that were anointed by God, consecrated, set apart, made holy for his purpose and for his perfection. But we know this, that every single believer since that time, since the time of the New Testament, every believer is to be a priest of God. We are called to the service of the Lord. That is why it goes on in 1 Peter when you read that in chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare his praises of him who called you out of darkness and put you into the wonderful light of God. You see, we're all anointed, we're all set apart, we're all made holy, we're all sanctified for the work and the service of God. Hallelujah. You see, this is not just church service, people. This is any service, any vocation, any calling. God wants you to understand that he has given you, he has anointed you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit 
that you might represent him in every aspect and area of your life. Hallelujah. You know, we're meant to be living with God. And when we live with God, we live with the power and presence of his Holy Spirit who helps us, who is our comforter, who walks beside us, strong to defend us, and who equips us to live this life as an overcomer in a powerful, amazing way. You know, I, I taught you this a while ago, but it's such a powerful truth. Um, you know, the very first time that God is called uh, Jehovah Makadesh, the very first time that he comes to, to show us that he is our sanctifier, there's some truth revealed. And remember I told you that whenever a truth that is repeated in scripture is revealed the first time, in the first time it's revealed, there's usually a truth there that is so significant that applies to every other time you see that that truth revealed. So every time this Bible talks about sanctification or being made holy, the first truth that's revealed, it's called the principle of the firsts. The first time you see it, there's something there that you need to understand and apply every time that you talk about being holy or being sanctified. This is the principle of the first, the first time God is called Jehovah Makadesh. Listen to it. It's in Exodus 31, starting at verse 12. God spoke to Moses. He said, tell the Israelites, above all, keep my Sabbaths. This is the sign between you and, you and I, generation after generation, to keep the knowledge alive that I am the God who makes you holy. I am the God who sanctifies you. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. So this is one of the most important truths of understanding that God sanctifies us or makes us holy, that we should keep the Sabbath day. Well, understand what he's saying. He said, above all, keep my Sabbath. The word Sabbath means ceasing from works. Now, if you want to be, this is very funny. It's kind of contradictory. If you want to be set apart from my work, you need to cease from work. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I find that funny. If you want to be set apart to do my work, you have to stop working. Now, what is God saying? This is the stuff that drives people crazy when preachers talk like this. You know, for ceasing from works doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It means that you don't do anything apart from God's empowerment and presence. That's what it means. That's why Jesus said, I can do nothing except that which I see the Father doing because he understood that his life was empowered and connected to the Father in such an intricate way beautiful way. So for you and I, what this is saying is, God, we need to invite you into every aspect of our life. This is who we're asking to come in, to make us holy, to anoint us to do the work that God has called us to do. And I think this is in practical terms, you just need to understand, church, what you're doing is inviting God into your day. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. I want you to understand God wants to anoint you he wants to empower you to live that day in a greater capacity, in a greater understanding, which is very beautiful. You know, when I, we hear the word holiness, I think a lot of us start to pursue moral excellence, which, as I said earlier, is a mistake. It, it, you know, whenever we try to be better, how many of you know we end up worse? And so really our pursuit is not in trying to be better. Our pursuit is in pursuing God. That's why Jesus, I think, said in, in Matthew 11, are you tired? <laughs> Listen, burned out, worn out, on, burned out on religion, worn out. Come to me, 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real rest and to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy upon you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hallelujah. You know, the problem with most of us is that we, you know, we appear to ourselves, you know, as so unholy, so we can't see how we can include Christ in our everyday life. And let me try and explain that a little bit. You know, we think we only reserve Jesus for Sundays. <laughs> and, and that's a problem, you guys. That's, that's not what God intended. You know, I think a lot of us, um, we kind of add Christian to what we do. You know, we, we, we say, well, you know, I'm a plumber uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a Christian on Sunday. Or I'm a businessman and yeah, yeah, you're, you're right, I'm a Christian. Or, you know, I'm a pastor, and, you know, I try to be a Christian sometimes too. You know, I think that's a mistake. I think we have to change our language. You need to start your life and start your day by saying things like, I am a Christian plumber. See, there's a big difference between the two. I am a Christian businessman. I am a Christian, you fill in the blank. I'm a Christian nurse. I'm a Christian wife. I'm a Christian husband. It doesn't matter what it is. You start with the point, I'm pulling Christ into the center of my reality. My identity is based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's not incidental. He's not secondary. He's primary. And when you start to pull him into that center, he comes and he makes us holy. He sanctifies us for his use. Hallelujah. You know, if you think that you're not holy enough to serve God or that you, you just don't get it quite yet, you know, I want you to understand that Jesus chooses the most unlikely candidates to follow him. You ever thought about that? You know, I've used this analogy in the past, but I love it. Um, you know, when, you're, when I was a kid playing sports, we'd always, uh, you know, have pickup games. Like, you know, you do a pickup game of football and all the kids would gather at two o'clock and we'd say, we're gonna play football in the field. And what you would do is you'd take the two best athletes and you made sure they were on opposite teams. And then you told them, you guys are the captains, now pick your team. You'd toss a coin and then the first guy would go first and he would pick the next best player. And then the next guy would go and back and forth until all the people were picked and joined teams. And you know, there was always that last kid, that poor last kid who nobody wanted on their team. And it was so pathetic, so terrible, so heartbreaking. It was like, okay, Jimmy, you can be on my team. And it was kind of like, just stand over there and don't do anything. You know, I, I, I told you this before, I was always picked in the middle. I, I just thank God for that. You know, I was never picked first, but I was never picked last. But you know, Jesus in picking his team, the incredible thing is he picks the worst player first. <laughs> That's what he did all throughout the Gospels. You can see this in Jesus is the way he picked his team. It's like he, he picked the worst possible candidate and he said, I want you on my team. And that's incredible. I, I was just looking at the woman at the well, you know, she, she was the worst candidate of the Samaritans and he picks her. Incredible. You know, he says to her, you know, you've been married five times and the husband and the man you're with now is not your husband, but I want you on my team. Like, my goodness, he just picks the worst candidates and says, now I want you to come and to follow me. I mean, think about who he chose. He chose, you know, the hot-headed fisherman named Simon. 
He chose Matthew, the tax collector. Nobody would even talk to this guy. He was a tax collector. He chose Mary, the ex-demoniac, whom he casted seven demons out of and said, man, I want you on my team. That's incredible. You know, I want you to get something, guys. He chose these people not for their moral excellence. He didn't choose them because they were holy. He chose them because he wanted to display his glory upon people and in people that were not perfect. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, stop looking at me. Stop looking at your imperfections and start marveling at the perfect one who chose you to be on his team. That's incredible. He picked Greg Fraser. Man, I was a passionate sinner before I met God. Now I'm a passionate preacher that I know God. Am I perfect? Don't ask my wife, please. She will tell you some things that are still not quite holified in me. I'm not totally whole yet, but does that stop me from serving God? No, because I marvel at the grace of God that he would choose me, pick me to serve him, to love him. See, our boast is not in our moral perfection, but in the perfection of Christ. That is our boast, church. That's what you can do. You see, God has anointed us with oil. He has set his spirit upon you and upon me, these imperfect vessels. You say, well, Greg, how can I go on? How can I serve God? How can I do that when I don't feel totally covered or pure myself? It's interesting that the verse goes on and says this in in Psalm 23. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. See, listen to me now. He covers the cup with his presence. You see, you and I are the cups. You and I are the vessels that hold the treasure. You and I are the vessels that hold the glory of God. God is within us. He's in each one of us. And what happens is when we begin to focus on the treasure instead of focusing on the cup, the glory, the treasure spills over and runs over the cup and covers the cup. That's why 2 Corinthians 4 says this, we are all like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Church, listen to me. He anoints our head with oil. He sets us apart. He he holifies us. He sanctifies us for his service. And then he begins to cover us with his glory, even though we're imperfect, even though we're just cracked pots, clay pots that are broken. I've told you this illustration before, but it's such a good one, this story. I'm going to tell it again because I love it. The story of the cracked pot. You know, and it's, it, it, the story goes about a, a servant in India who was working for his master, and every day he would have to carry down these two large pots down uh, this uh, pathway to go to the stream and to, the, to be able to fill up the pots and to bring fresh water back up to the house. And every day he would do this, and he would carry it up, but one of the pots had a crack in it. And every day he would walk back up that path carrying these two heavy pots And by the time he got to the top, the pot with the crack in it had leaked out half of its water. This went on for two years. Finally, the pot spoke to the servant because apparently in India, pots speak to servants. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, He spoke to the servant. He said, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. And 
The servant said, why are you ashamed? He said, because I have this flaw, this crack that you go to all this hard work and by the time you get me back up to the master's uh, house, there's only half of it left and I have just failed my purpose. And the servant thought about it for a moment and he said, I want you to notice something tomorrow when I carry you down. And he he said, I want you to notice the flowers along the path. And so sure enough, the pot noticed the flowers and it cheered him up somewhat. And the servant went down and filled both pots again. One of the pots was perfect and had no flaws, but he was the pot that had, you know, the crack in the middle. And as they walked back up again, he was spilling out the water and uh, he just felt depressed and sorry and sad by the time he got to the top again. But the servant said to him, did you notice that the flowers were only on your side? You see, I've known about your flaw from the very beginning. And so what I did is I planted seeds of beautiful flowers all along the path so that when I walk back with you, you water those flowers. And every day I go and I take those flowers and I take some and I cut them and I put them on my master's table and they adorn my master's table with great beauty and great fragrance. You have provided this because of who you are. You see, church, all of us have cracks. All of us have flaws. All of us are imperfect. But our perfect God has chosen to use us in spite of our imperfections. And I'm telling you, he finds a way to make us beautiful. That our lives might display the glory of God to a lost world in a broken world. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that God has done that in my life and in your life. Can I tell you something? Stop wondering why God would pick you and start celebrating the fact that he did. Would you just stop (laughs) trying to perfect yourself before you're ready to serve God? Come and serve him, love him, follow him in all of your life. Here's my last thought. You see, the oil overflows, not only does it touch the pot and cover the pot, the oil overflows and touches this world. You know, when we decide to serve God with our lives, despite of our brokenness and our inconsistencies, when we celebrate him rather than looking at all the things that are wrong in us, we need to celebrate the fact that God has picked us to be on his team. Hallelujah. You see, it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter what you do. God chose you. I didn't choose you. God chose you. And Jesus said, I chose you and I've appointed you to bear fruit and fruit that will last. You know, I'm preaching this sermon to you right now and I'm standing, uh, you can't see it, but I'm standing in an empty church auditorium. And I walked in in the beautiful foyer uh, that was there, that uh, the fellowship hall that, uh, you know, I walked in there and it's empty right now. And I've walked through this building so many times, I cannot tell you. And I walk down and I see these incredible uh, children's ministries, classrooms. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I walk down the stairs and I see the Christian school classrooms and where the children ministry will also be acting there. And I I think about the lives that are going to be changed. I think about children that are going to come to this church. 
families that are going to come. I think about children giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. I think about them growing and learning and becoming disciples, not only in, in our ch- school, our church ministry, but also in our school ministry, living as disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, yes, learning, reading, writing, and ar- arithmetic, but more importantly, that they are following Jesus Christ and growing in their relationship with him. I think about coming into this this auditorium, and I think about the the worship that's going to be happening, and I think about the prayer that's going to be happening in this auditorium, and I think about lives that are going to be changed. I think about God calling people to come home to his house. I think of people that are going to find their way back to God, the prodigals returning, and I think about the lives that are about to be changed, church. I think about the incredible fellowship times that we're going to have and, and, and the meals that we're going to enjoy together from our amazing kitchen that we've built and, and maybe the coffee bar just hanging out and talking to one another, praying with one another. Incredible thoughts. You know, I'm going to tell you something. This building is beautiful but it's just a building. (laughs) It's just a building. It's just a tool. But you're the beautiful ones that are gonna fill this building. It's with your gifts and with your ministries that we are actually gonna see this building come alive. As you come together and as you serve the Lord, Man, I'm telling you, there are so many people that are going to find their way home to the Father's house and begin to live as disciples in their own life, disciples who care, who celebrate Jesus Christ in every area of their life, who accept each other and one and themselves, who receive the grace of God daily in order to go and to serve and to love, love this world, and who engage this world by teaching others to care and to live as disciples. Hallelujah. You see, my beautiful ones, it's not the building that will accomplish this, but it's you. You are the temple of the Lord. You are the house of God. You are the church, and you will fill these rooms. The psalm ends with these thoughts. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, as we serve God and as we carry on and as we we just love him and serve him and follow him, I want you to know that he's chasing us down. That word follow me means to chase you down. God is chasing you down with goodness and love and mercy. Can you imagine Jesus running after you to tackle you with love? (laughs) To tackle you with mercy? Like, you you know, you see somebody running after you and you start to run and it's Jesus and he's got a smile on his face and he's not mad at you. He's, he's, He's pursuing you to chase you down, to bless you. And as you serve him and as I serve him, as the oil of the anointing of God runs down upon me and and it overflows of my cup, it also overflows to this world. And God is saying, use the gift that I've given you. Be all that you can be. I've created you to represent me in this world, to display my glory to a lost world. And by the way, church, if God can use you, if God can save you, if God can use you for his kingdom's sake, he can use anybody. If he can use me, he can use anybody. Hallelujah. You see, get involved, serve, fill the house, bring your gifts in, bring your anointings in. God wants to use you.
Hallelujah. I want to challenge you one last time. This whole message has really been challenging toward those of you who think you're not good enough to serve. I was thinking about the Apostle Peter. Jesus says, I give you a new command, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And Peter thinks that Jesus wants him to say these next words. He says, Lord, I love you. I will lay down my life for you. I, I will give it my all for you, Lord. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, <laughs> bro, you're not there yet. You're not that holy yet. As a matter of fact, today, this very day, you are going to deny that you even know me three times. I'm going to give you three opportunities. You're going to fail on every single one of them. Wow. That's kind of a mic drop moment and Peter's left stumbling, but Jesus says these very next words, which are incredible for all of us who fall short. He says, do not let your heart be troubled, Peter. <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. For my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. He says, Peter, you're, man, you're not there yet. You're not perfectly holy yet, but I still want you to serve me. I still want you to help me fill and build your room. Do you understand, church, that one of the things that we don't grasp fully in our lives is how we live our lives now with God is actually building our room in eternity? You want, to have, you want to plan for retirement? Serve God. You want to plan for your true retirement? Man, give it your all for Jesus because you are sending it on ahead. You can't take it with you. You know what, church? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. <laughs> you can send it on ahead by serving. You can send it on ahead by giving. You can send it on ahead by loving. That's what you're anointed to do and you're anointed to be. You see, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever. Amen? Listen to me, church. God has anointed you to serve him. He has covered you with all your flaws and imperfections, so stop trying to fix them. Stop worrying about them. Give them to God. Surrender them to the Lord. Yield them. That's what it means to consecrate yourself. Yield yourself to the Lord and serve him. Let him take care of those things. Confess those things. Get somebody to help you with them, but don't let them limit you or hold you back. God needs you to help him fill his house. Amen? I'm going to close in prayer. And if you're watching today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I want to serve God, but I just I have felt so unholy. I felt so imperfect. You know what? Join the crowd. <laughs> We're right there with you. God is still doing a work in all of us. But while he does the work, he says, serve me, love me, serve this world. If that's you, I just want you to open your hands right now and say, Lord, I, I, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? And maybe you're watching today and you're saying, man, I, I just want to join the team. I, I, you know, I, I want to get on the Lord's team. I, I want you to know that he's ready to pick you. He's ready to choose you. 
not because of your perfection, not because you've done everything right, but he just needs you to be honest with him and to say, Lord, I, I've fallen short. God, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm lost. I need you. If you will but pray that prayer right now, join me in this prayer. If you want to join the Lord's team, just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. I confess that I fall short, that I'm a sinner in need of grace and mercy. I want to join your team today, Jesus. Come into my life. Fill my heart with your goodness and your mercy. Help me to live for you and with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Man, I love you. Thinking about you lots, praying for you often. So grateful for each one of you. Looking forward to being together very soon. God bless your week, church.